you're never going to get it perfect on the first launch. And you're like, if you're not slightly unsure or embarrassed about your first like launch, then you launch too late because at this point you're small. You're I'm bootstrapped. I have a limited amount of money and time. I need to get results quickly. I need to find out if I'm going the right direction or wrong direction quickly. So if I spend two years to try to make something perfect when I was working on the wrong thing to begin with, I, I wish I knew that like, you know, two years ago so I can save my time and, and pivot and go in the right direction. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and less than 25% of women are breaking the C-suite glass ceiling. And our team at CEO School is on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who are breaking the statistics, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they defied the odds so that you can do it too. If you are an ambitious woman who wants to create a life of impact through financial freedom, self-growth, and find confidence in your voice, grab a seat because class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hi, everyone. This is Sanera Madani, your host of CEO School. I am so pumped, no pun intended, for today's special episode with our star guest, Tu Hien. Tu is one of my friends from Orlando for many years now, and I've just watched her journey as an entrepreneur starting out and now as a seven-figure business. Tu's business is called Bojen. Tu has created an incredible cushion that goes inside of breast pumps to help pumping moms pump in comfort. Uh, Pumping was something that I personally experienced when I had my daughters and it is so painful. And Tu's product just completely changes the game for all pumping moms. And today we're going to get to hear from Tu about her journey as an entrepreneur who started this product, how she came up with it, how she created it, how she marketed it, and how she actually sold it online through her e-commerce venture. So without further ado, Tu, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I mean, I am literally pumped. I keep saying no pun pun intended. No pun intended, but it's so fun. Because I remember for my first baby shower, so two and I met in Orlando many years ago at Starter Studio. Maybe like five years ago. I know. It's It's been a while and we've watched each other's journeys and just been entrepreneur sister friends for many, many years. And I remember when she had first come out with these prototypes, like I remember the days of the prototypes of Bojen mm-hmm. and at my baby shower, um, one of my friends actually gifted me the Bojen. It was on my baby registry. So that was like one of my items that I wanted was the Bojen breast pump pads. And it's just, it was game changer for me. And I, you know, it's, I'm so proud of not only watching your journey from that starting of that prototype. And now you have helped over 30 thousand moms, 30,000 moms off of this idea that you had. So take us over the beginning. I'm so excited to share your journey. How did you come up with this? Oh my God. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. So I, I pretty much fell into entrepreneurship. I, I have a finance background. I was in corporate going down the entrepreneurship journey path was not something I had planned. So I, 
so my journey started off with having my own personal problem and issue. And when I had my daughter, I personally had, you know, challenges with breastfeeding and pumping and I had to pump a lot and it was painful. And I always thought to myself, like, this can't be what women have to deal with. Like, this can't be just okay for this to be like this. So I did a lot of market research. I talked to a lot of moms, a lot of women, and there weren't really any specific solutions for this, for, for discomfort and pain and pumping. So I just started thinking, and I was talking to my husband about it, like, okay, thousands of women have to do this for their babies. Why is it just okay to not feel good? So then we kind of started going through like, okay, what if we developed something? What if we created something? So, um, and that's when I really started doing customer development by talking to moms in Facebook groups, my friends and friends of friends to really understand what the need was that women were looking for. And then my husband has an engineering background. He helped me actually develop a solution for this. We really narrowed down that it was the contact point of the women with the breast pump flange and the discomfort it caused. So that was the problem I decided that we needed to solve. And we, at the time we were living in New York city in like a 500 square foot apartment with a newborn baby and living in New York city and being a startup, a bootstrap startup is not really financially feasible. So we actually moved back to Florida where we're both from and decided to go all in. And he helped me develop what is now our flagship product, which is the breast pump cushion. It took us probably about a, a year of, of product development, of understanding what the needs of the customers were, what worked, what didn't work, the prototyping phases. We we created over 40 different prototypes. And I think I tested every single one. And um, by the time we eventually came- What? To, yeah. <laughs> I have to pause you here. I have to pause you here. I have so many fun questions for you. Okay, yeah. so just to kind of walk through this journey, you're in New York City. You are bootstrapping this startup. You have a newborn baby. Mm -hmm. You are going through postpartum as well. Like just, just having a baby and having all this discomfort- um, in, in pumping. And we've all been there, any pumping moms, we've all been there. And then you decide to go solve this problem during that time. Yeah. It's crazy. Move back to Florida. Your husband yeah. is engineering and prototyping the cushion and you are literally beta testing is what we yes. call it. And you're, you're literally beta testing your prototype products while you're breastfeeding, breast pumping for your newborn. Yes. My I know <laughs> it's crazy. So by the time you know, it might've been like our 45th version prototype when we landed on what I felt like was what's going to solve the problem. I was already weaning and almost done with my breastfeeding journey, but I was like, I'm going to test every single one. If I'm going to have other moms use this, I want to be able to use it and say, yes, it works. Yes. It feels like this or it doesn't work. So I tested every single one. And then that's what we went to market with. And that is what our flagship product is the breast pump cushion. That's incredible. I love yeah. that you have that, that passion to say that I want to personally test every single product because I think so many products sometimes are created by people who don't actually end up using the product, especially for women. So many female products are actually created by men. Yeah. So many that they have no clue of actually how it makes us feel or if it's a right fit for us. I love that you sat there and tested all 40 of these prototypes to land the perfect one, which now makes sense because you knew that it worked. 
And that's the one that you put your all in on. And now yeah. have supported over 30,000 cushions for breast pumping moms. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, you were there like when I came out with the prototype, the first version into the market. The and, hot pink one. Yeah. And since then we've, you know, come up with several iterations of that, but pretty much stuck with our, you know, our main design, but it's even, you know, five, six years later, we're still improving the same product. So like the, the evolution and the improvement never ends. It doesn't, it doesn't. I'd love to kind of, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs here listening or so many women that might have ideas in their head or they're, this is where I believe great products come from is out of a need, out of a necessity. This is exactly how Stacks was born. I was in payment processing, selling merchant services door to door. And I knew there had to be a better way to go treat these customers with this little black box that I was installing. All that data that was going into that terminal no companies, literally nobody was doing anything with that data. And I'm like, something, somebody, something has to give there. So I had a pain point. That's what I saw. You had a pain point and that's what you solved. And I really believe that ideas come in those moments of frustration of that. I really can't believe there isn't a solution out there. And so I know there's many people that have so many great, I guess, frustrations that they want to solve, but sometimes you get stuck, right? You absolutely get stuck. And you're like, where do I even begin? Where do you begin? So can you kind of take us back to how you actually got that prototype? You know, you know, my husband isn't an engineer. I didn't have a software developer. I had to go find teams. Like yeah. can you take us back and maybe give advice to the women that are listening that may have these ideas that to build a product, but don't know where to begin. Yeah, that's actually a, a really great question. So in the beginning, I actually thought the problem I need to solve was the entire pump. I thought I was supposed to come up with like the entire solution. Ah. And then, so what I did was I actually spoke a lot. I did a lot of customer development and like ingrained myself in all these mommy Facebook groups to really understand like what they were thinking, what they were feeling, what their opinions are on certain things. And I realized they're not looking for a pump. They're looking for a solution to this one, one problem of discomfort. So I decided to go like the MVP strategy and the minimum viable product, not maximum viable product. So what's the smallest part of the problem I can solve, which I identified as the discomfort and actually just solve that first, because if I can't solve the smallest problem, how the hell am I supposed to solve the entire problem? Right? So I identified just an MVP style, the smallest part of the problem that I felt like I could solve with my resources and uh, my time. And then I, that's how I decided to go the route of just uh, creating a cushion to help make the pumping more comfortable. So I think a lot of new entrepreneurs think that they have to come out with the full solution, that they have to come up with the entire iPhone the, the whole iPhone 11, not like maybe just the touchscreen part or the, or, you know, so I would say like, think about how to break down that, that problem you want to solve into smaller pieces out of all the small, small pieces that you figured out. What's the most critical, important one. What's the one that's like the game changer. Like, that's great that your pump is pink and pretty and light, but it's still uncomfortable. So I don't like it. Right. So then therefore it's the comfort. That's really the, like the, the piece that's really important that you need to solve. So that's how I looked at the issue. 
I love it. And it's such great advice, ladies. This is so true. I love this conversation about an MVP. And you're absolutely right. I see that so much. I mean, we see that everywhere where we want to solve a problem, right? Our heart's in a good place, but we overcomplicate everything. Mm -hmm. And as women, we're such perfectionists. So we're already creating problems that may not even exist because we're worried about this perfectly perfect end product. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's not about the whole. It's really about what is that one critical component that mm -hmm. is going to change the game. What is that one little piece of, of uh, value that you can add to that entire system that can create the biggest impact? So the lowest exactly. effort, biggest impact. And I love that you talked about that. And MVP is such a great way to take a look at any product launch. It could even be if you're a service-based entrepreneur, if you are a product-based entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. Really looking at what is the, the smallest um, uh, way, the, the, the minimal way that I can get my product to launch? And then you iterate based on customer feedback. Right. And you did that, you were your customer. Yeah, yeah. So, and another thing that I find a lot of women um, and a lot of entrepreneurs who might be new to this feel like they need to get it perfect on first launch. And I think it was you, Sunir, who told me like five years ago, like, you're never going to get it perfect on the first launch. And you're like, if you're not slightly unsure or embarrassed about your first like launch, then you launch too late because at this point you're small, you're I'm bootstrapped. I have a limited amount of money and time. I need to get results quickly. I need to find out if I'm going in the right direction or wrong direction quickly. So if I spend two years to try to make something perfect when I was working on the wrong thing to begin with, I, I wish I knew that like, you know, two years ago so I can save my time and, and pivot and go in the right direction. So um, that that's another important thing is to get feedback quickly and get like a feedback loop quickly launch and then get the feedback and then pivot and make adjustments and launch again and keep tweaking and iterating your idea because you're never going to get it perfect on the first try. I love it. And, you, and that was good advice for that. And it's still great advice. You're never going to get it perfect. We still don't have it perfect. You yeah. still don't have it perfect no. because market changes, right? Products change adoption changes. And what happens is if we go so deep into creation phase sometimes, and it's never in the hands of a customer, we don't even know what we should be iterating on. And so having V1 is the best way to get it to market. So whatever your idea is, get it out there, get a landing page, and it doesn't have to be fancy. I think that is like the biggest component of startup life of starting a business versus where you are is it's been a constant evolution over the years. So now you're in business. It's been over five years. You're in business. You're still prototype. You're still changing based on there's new breath pumps in the market. There's new, yeah. there's so much new advancement in this category in this industry that you're in, and you have to be able to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise your company is going to die. If you, if you are literally always in stealth mode, just focusing on that product without looking up, Mm -hmm. You're never going to know what's working, what's not, where the market fit is. And so I love this advice about the MVP and getting it, getting it ready. I was going to say, this is applicable to whether you're in products or in services or anything. Yeah. Um, if you're a coach, you, I feel like this is something, a concept that is applicable to everybody. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It doesn't mm -hmm. need a lot of fancy. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't iterate as soon as we get the first customer, we get the feedback, we continue to, and I love you said the word pivot. I'm such a huge fan of the word pivot. Um, so, okay. A couple of questions, questions that come to mind for me, what happened next in your journey, right? So you nailed the product, a prototype. You're like, this is the one, how did you 
like, tell me a little about e-commerce because e-com now has changed so much from where it was five years ago. It was really difficult where you were at at that time to people can start e-com stores like on your phone and have a business by the end of the day. So talk us through your e-com journey. I really had to just figure it out. You know, I was taking online courses to learn digital marketing, social media, email marketing, all of those things. And I learned by doing. So every aspect of my company now, I at one point did myself. I was the one writing emails, doing social media posts, like reaching out to influencers. I used to do all of that, but now I'm lucky I have an amazing team to be able to do those things. But it was mostly just like going out, talking to people, connecting with people like you, getting in front of the right, you know, people and resources in order to keep my business moving and evolving. It's that's so solid. I think that sometimes, and I think in the world of the pandemic, even we might think that it's difficult. I think that five years ago, we were always like out and about at events. I remember seeing, like, I was always out, even starting my journey. I used to see you out all the time, all the business events, all the women's events, and just talking about our products. I find, I don't know if you see this too enough, but I feel like women don't talk enough about their ideas or their products. And the more that you can talk about your product, the more that you can get on any, like grab any mic ever, every, everything ever, like grab any opportunity that you get, talk about it because there's going to be somebody that can help you. There's going to be somebody that can connect for you. There's, there can be somebody that can be a customer. And so it's so important to get your message out. And I find that women don't do enough of that. I don't know if you, if you, if you have any thoughts there on that. I noticed that in the beginning too, cause I was probably part of that group of like, not kind of being shy and I kind of, and I hid behind my brand a bit, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable, almost felt like imposter syndrome, like being in the front, trying to be like grabbing all this attention for my company. So it took a lot of like personal development on my side to get over myself and realize, you know, I am the company's spokesperson. So I will do what I need to do. I will need to talk to whoever I need to talk to, to get the word out there. Cause it's not about me. Like, that's another thing, like as the leader of Bojan, it's not about my fame and glory. It's about the customers I can serve. The more I'm out there, the more people know who I am in my company, the more people I can help, more women I can help in their journey. And that's why I really focus on that. And that's kind of how I got over myself. Like, it's not about me. It's not about like me being famous or, you know, my glory. It's about how I can help other women. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that imposter syndrome that you talked about, I think that all of us as women face that sometimes when we have to get out there and I see that, you know, I've, I've gone through iterations of that. We've all gone through, I still go through iterations of that. And I, I truly dislike using the word imposter syndrome. I'm trying to find another one to use to replace that, but it is true. You do feel there's a sense of fear of just putting yourself out there, right? Because you are going to get judged no matter what. I think that's the hardest part about entrepreneurship. I will say hands down, is the fact that you have to put yourself out there. You have to be vulnerable. You have to raise your hand. You have to ask, even just asking for a customer. It's not going to happen by itself. And I think that sometimes we assume that great product, you can just put it online. There's pretty pictures. It doesn't just sell that way. You're right. You are the spokesperson. This is your brand. And people do want to know that there's a human on the other side they're buying from. Customers, and we all purchase products based on a story now. We don't just purchase products for the sake of purchasing products. That time um, is gone. And now it's really about the products that I bring into my home, the products that I gift to my friends. 
I care about the brands and the, and the message and what the brand stands for. And so you as the founder, you as that owner of that business need to be the one to represent it. And what I think is super cool actually is that five years ago we had to do it in person and there was only, and it's not scalable. Right. It's not, <laughs> it's exhausting. It's, it was exhausting. It was yeah. exhausting. And now we can do it so easily, virtually, digitally. Social media has changed the game for brands. So let's dive into how you utilize your go-to-market strategy. And I know that's a huge part of your go-to-market strategy is digital acquisition of customers, Mm -hmm. e-commerce, social media. So can you walk us through kind of your go-to-market strategy and how entrepreneurs here can kind of learn from that? Yeah. So since... When I started Bojan, I was bootstrapping. I didn't have lots of capital to start spending on PR and fancy ad campaigns. So I started really grassroots. So since I was already in those mommy Facebook groups, they they already knew that I was working on this solution for pumping. And so when I launched, they were almost my like spokespeople of solving this, you know, pumping comfort, pumping in comfort. And then I, and then I, um, decided to, you know, get connected with influencers and, and work with influencers to have them talk about, um, talk about my company and my product. And it's just years of just doing the work and the grind and eventually creating enough momentum that started getting traction. And I think something that a lot of entrepreneurs might assume is that, you know, I started the company and then was like an instant success in like a year I was making seven figures was not true. I think for three years, I did not pay myself. I was just grinding. And what I did was I always showed up. I always showed up whether people were listening. And most of the time, I don't even know if there was anybody on the other side. I showed up consistently on social media and emails, um, connecting with influencers, doing the things I felt like would keep the business in the forefront. And um, after a while, you do it for enough times, people start to talk about you in their own circles, in the mom circles, even with uh, in the hospitals with the nurses and lactation consultants. And that's when I started building up momentum. So I would say three years in is actually when we started to really uh, achieve like significant growth. I love that you share that. Thank you for sharing that. And you're so right you showed up like that is what it takes. And I think that entrepreneurship is just painted sometimes as so sexy, right? It's so easy. It's so sexy. It's like the TikTok now of like, there's like instant, like uh, millionaires now on TikTok and mm. Instagram shows like the entrepreneur sitting on the beach, sipping mojitos, getting sales coming in. Like that takes years and years to build. And it took three years of you not showing up without a paycheck, sacrificing for your family for this dream that you had, for this passion that you had for this product. And you're right. The more that you show up, the more that you show up consistently, the room will get bigger. It may start with that one person listening or maybe nobody listening on the other side, Mm -hmm. right? This, all of this is always a building process and you have to show up for yourself first for that one, even if it's for that one customer, if you care so deeply about solving that problem, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't matter if you're solving it for that one person, you're going to solve it for a thousand show up with that same amount of passion for that one customer and a thousand will come thereafter. Yeah. I I truly believe that because there were times during those three years where I'm like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to, I don't know if this is working. I should, I don't know if I should keep going, but 
And I just sat with myself and thought like, I know that I am making an impact and maybe the few women I am serving. So it's almost my duty to keep, keep, if I have a solution, it's my duty to keep like bringing it to the market. And then I just kept going and I didn't quit, which was tough, especially for three years of like grinding and not sure if it's worth it. But then eventually I almost think it was like a test to see if like I could handle the, the growth and the success that would come later. So, um, but I just kept going and then, you know, eventually paid off. It's amazing. Congratulations. And I know you've celebrated hitting your 2% club. I mean, you have made a seven figure business, less than 2% of female founders ever hit that mark. That is a reason why I started CEO school. That is the primary mission here is to help women just start their businesses and scale their businesses. And so congratulations from this entire community. It is amazing to watch your journey and the sacrifices you made and why you show up every day. Tell us a little bit about those, any like big aha moments that came for you of like, man, you know, if I were going to go back and like tell myself something, what would that something be now that you've achieved that success? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good question. Um, n- looking at looking at it now, I would just tell myself like it's worth it, and not and don't quit. Just stick with your guns, stick with your instincts, and keep going. And um, it might seem like like it's not worth it, or you don't know if you're making any impact. But people are watching and people are listening. You may not know it, but they are. And just to keep going because it will be worth it. I love that advice. Keep going. Sometimes I still need to hear that. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's really Sunira? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you, I definitely need to hear that. It's exhausting. Like I will tell you that no matter what level of success you come at, there's always something on the other side waiting and it's a journey. Entrepreneurship is a journey. It's not a destination. I used to think it was a destination. I used to think that it was like a milestone that you're supposed to hit. And at that time it was like, I'm going to hit a million in revenue. Like I remember that milestone being so huge for me and it is so huge, but then that 1 million went to 10 million and then 10 million gets to a hundred million. And you know, now it's like, I want to get to a billion in value, right? There's like always a milestone and it's not about the chase. And I think I realized that about two years ago in this journey, as the milestones continue to progress. And although my heart's in it for all the right reasons, it's not for myself it still felt like it was that chase of that, of that milestone. And I've finally figured out is that it is just the journey and I need to show up for that journey. Like I better be enjoying that journey every single day. And that's all it's about now. So if I'm not enjoying it, if I'm not enjoying the journey, then I means I need to change my journey. And I'm not saying that it's not easy. So there's a difference between having fun and it being, it's not always going to be easy all the time, but overall, when you look at the end of the day, you're like, am I having fun? You should be having fun. There's going to be hard days, a lot of them. Uh, But there's also this like amazing feeling of reward, which is when your product actually gets utilized in the way that you intend it. And that there's somebody on the other side that says, wow, this is changing my life. This is something that I utilize. I know you know that feeling. And that's that feeling. That's the high. That's actually the chase. Yeah. Actually getting, getting feedback from, from customers like, Oh my God, you changed my journey. You saved my pumping journey. This helped me so much. It's really fulfilling. It's really warming and and touching and uh, makes me realize like, yeah, I am doing the right thing. Like I am where I'm supposed to be. So you're right. I, it is a high. (laughs) 
It is a high. It's the best high. And that's why we do it. Uh, Two, how can we support you in this journey? What's next for you? You've really accomplished so much in this one product. Are you expanding into different product lines? I know the market is changing so quickly in the pumping. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how Bojen is at that forefront and how we can support that? Yes. So Bojen has always been rooted deep in the mom community. So now we're uh, developing our own communities. We're going to launch in December. It's called the Mama Village and it's a community for all moms to be seen, supported and heard. So we want to take all these moms who are going through the breastfeeding pumping journey, bring them together and give them the support and encouragement and resources that women who are transitioning to motherhood need. There's a lot of noise and information, but I feel like in the mama community, we're going to pull it all together and really emotionally support the mom through this really life-changing transition. I love it. That's so incredible that you're doing that the mama village. I love it. We're here for it. I wish I had that when I was going through that journey. I remember I used to have a pumping text buddy. I don't know if this is going to be maybe part of your platform, but I love it. I would love, I would, we would literally just text. She was also pumping at the same time. Usually that we had daughters at the same, at the same time frame. And so I'd be like, you up. She's like, I'm up, you up. And we would just text. And at least it was like some company while like the baby's yes. and you're just like feeding the baby and you're up anyway. And my mind was always racing and she's an entrepreneur friend of mine. And so I think that'd be really fun. It's like a Tinder for matchmaking of like pumping buds that we could text in the middle of the night in the mama's that's, village. That's such a good idea. I'm going to, I'm going to see what I can do. That's so cute. Yes. Yes. I wish it was, it was a, uh, it was really fun um, having that friend kind of support you in that there's so many ways that you just need to be supported when you're in that journey. So I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it too. Such an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing your journey in entrepreneurship We can't wait to support you, not only by sharing your product, by ensuring that it's on everyone's baby list and registries and following you on social media, and then telling all the moms about Mama Village. What's the best place that we can find Bojen? What's the best place that we can find you online? Yes. So you can reach us on Instagram. We are Bojen Mom. And you can also find me on Instagram as well. It's Tuhian.lee. Awesome. And we'll be linking all of that in the show notes today. Too. Thank you so much for being on the show. We can't wait to continue to support you. And like I said, we're all so pumped you were here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. We will be sending CEO School swag for the next 100 reviews, so don't miss out. Write a review and send us a screenshot at podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Again, it's podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Thanks so much. We love having you here.